Let me pray, all right? Father, we're so grateful uh, for this time to gather. We're thankful, Lord, for the study. Uh, Lord, we pray that you would lead our hearts this, this next 30 minutes through a discussion on uh, Jesus being our new boss. Uh, we want, uh, Lord, we want you to be the, the influencer in our life, shaping how we think about work, how we live at work, even how we're motivated at work. And so, God, would you help these people today to walk away with some clear applications Help them to walk away with some clear understanding of how, how Christ is changing them. Uh, Lord, and I pray that we would be a witness in light of that because of what Christ has done for us. Father, we're so grateful for this time. Lord, lead me with wisdom. Help me to communicate clearly, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, someone's shutting those doors. Awesome. They're great. Okay, if you have the handouts, if you notice, just to like, I reduced what I did from the first week like by half. So you'll be happy. Uh, we we should make it through our notes, no problem today. Uh, let me just begin by reviewing there really quickly. Where have we been the last two weeks? Just give me some like popcorn comments. Where have we been the last two weeks in our study? What do you remember? If you don't remember anything at all, just raise your hand and I'll... <laughs> just how sin has affected our work and our work. Okay, and that's sin has affected our work in, in what ways? Do you remember? Two specific ways that Dave talked about last week, did a great job covering... Idols and idols, the twin idols, right? These twin idols that are affecting us both in like our idolatry and worship of work and then it really our idolatry and worship of ourself, right? And our idleness, um, both of those are there. Okay, let's go back one more week. What do you all remember from the very first week? Was there a biblical foundation? Were you laying the groundwork, anything? We were designed to work. We were designed to work. It's not a result of the curse. It's not like... Oh, thank you, Adam and Eve. I have to get up and go to work. It's like, no, God, thank you. You made me this way. It's part of who I am. Uh, it's, it's part of who God is. He worked and created. Okay, and so some of that just was like week one is giving us a foundation, like laying out the groundwork for us. And then last week, Dave is talking about here's the sin that's present in our work, very specifically. And so as we think about redeemed workers, we want to keep looking and just, and just thinking through, all right, Lord, like what is it that we, we need to be doing different or thinking different or being motivated differently as Christians? So that's where we're going this morning. We're talking about a new boss, how Jesus' Jesus's work changes our work. And there's just a lot. I mean, there's a lot here. I wish we had like hours because there is a lot. You could just dive deep. So I hope even after we talk about things today, you just write down something like, I want to think harder about this this category, because I promise you there's so much more you could just tease out applicationally from it. All right, but specifically, as we think about Jesus being our new boss, I want to ask this random question. Uh, anybody here have a situation at work where you've been given a new boss uh, in your work time? Okay, just really quickly, like what, what has been some of the change that has happened when this new boss has come in? What, what has been your experience? I'm not asking for you to tell us like the bad things they did necessarily, but, but what is the overall experience? So maybe you're in a situation the old boss is a little bit more lenient, yeah. not as like rigid, and then the new boss comes in and is like, oh, I got to work a little bit different now, a little more intentionally. Good. Anybody else? Different kind of experience? Very similarly, but kind of different. Like different values. It's not just like I expect you to, it's like I value this and work here. I value this and employ yourself. Okay. Yeah, so different like expectations he has on you as a worker as you work. Like what kind of work you're producing, right? The values there. Good. Anybody else? 
I think it's just good for us to think this morning a little bit, what, it, what does it mean to have a new boss in our life? There is a shift that's happening, and that's, that's the focus of the study. But when we think about Jesus' work changing our work, another question just to keep us going this morning, what is it that Jesus has done? On a very basic level, what is, it, what is Jesus' work? How do you describe what Jesus has done? What do you all think? Yeah, okay, he lived a perfect life for us. He died on the cross. What else? It's, that's like the main thing. What else do you see? What else has Jesus has done? What is Jesus' work? Okay, he's interceding for us. He's there like on our behalf. Good? Yeah. Yeah, there's this aspect where through the Spirit, he's sanctifying us to become like himself, become like Christ. Okay, so when we think about Jesus' work, his work on the cross, his work in his life, um, there is an aspect in which now he has, if you will, um, dominion over us. He has, um, we have now surrendered our life to him, haven't we? If we've come to him in faith, we've, we've surrendered our life to him, and he is, in a sense, in a good way, he has authority over us. That changes how we think about work. He's redeemed us. That means now as we think about work, we're not, we're not so prone to head toward idleness and idolatry because we know that we're working for somebody different. In one sense, we could say if we fail to worship God in our work, when we are given over to idleness, okay, we fail to worship God when, we are become, when our work becomes our idol. So there's this worship aspect that is now changing. So idleness and idolatry really shift our worship in the wrong directions to ourself to our work rather than to Jesus. So if we can say on a 30,000 foot view, like a very broad view, the way that Jesus' work changes your work is now it changes the direction of your worship in your work, okay? So on a 30,000 foot view, like that's the ultimate thing. Like now we've been redeemed. He is the one we're submitting to. He's the authority in our life. He's redeeming us, changing us, and we want to worship him in everything we do, okay? So what we're doing this morning though is we want to dig down deeper. What does it mean to have our worships kind of redirected to Christ on a little more of a nitty-gritty kind of way, right? So there are four things in your notes. We're going to walk through these here. Uh, first of all is this. We have a new master. When we think about Jesus' work changing our work, we've been given a brand new master. Uh, Romans chapter 6, verse 18 tells us who our previous master was. We were enslaved to, anybody know, before Christ? Who are we enslaved to? To sin. Sin bound us and shackled us. We were enslaved to that. And so naturally, we were heading toward idolatry and idleness. We didn't know anything better. Our worship was directed in the wrong way. So as we think about this shift that's happening in our life, there is this clear distinction with this new boss in our life as we surrender to Christ just as surely as we've been transferred, as Colossians 1 says, from the domain of darkness to the domain of the kingdom of his son. Hello. We have been given, we have been given a new family, Galatians 4. Like there is this really drastic shift happening in your life because a new boss has come. And so we're thinking about all these things differently. So your text and your notes, I just put this here for you. Um, hopefully it'll help you out uh, a little bit more. Colossians 3, 22 through 24. Who would just read that for us? Read it nice and loud. Colossians 3, 22 through 24. You got it? All right, go for it. Bond servants obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service 
from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the mm. Lord Christ. That's great. This is one of the most convicting passages. We've, we went to this in the, the first week. Um, I just encourage you to go back to it again and again, just to keep, kind of keep reorienting yourself. But the question that comes up for, for us is, who, who are you working for? Like, who are you really working for day in and day out? Now, if you're like me, there's probably some days where you actually do think, yeah, I'm working for the Lord. Uh, then there's other days, like just being honest, my day yesterday working around the house, I had to remind myself, wait, who am I working for? I am not working for Christ right now. Um, we have to just remind ourselves of that often. We might know the answer, if you will, in our minds, but our hearts aren't always captivated by that, are they? Like we're working for Christ. We recognize here, as it says in verse 22, that yes, we have earthly bosses. It's not as though we no longer have an earthly boss like, see you later, buddy. I am not working for you. Uh, that's not true. We have earthly bosses, earthly responsibilities. But I think what's so clear here, even as it says in verse 22, we're working for them fearing the Lord. There is a, there is a different perspective we have now that we are having a new master in our life. So just a couple thoughts for us. This means that while we work, we always have our eyes on our true boss. While we're working day in and day out, yes, we see our earthly boss who's dishing out responsibilities, tasks, maybe rebuking us for something we didn't do right, whatever it is, the whole time our eye is really cast on Christ who is our ultimate boss. This changes our motivations. We're gonna, we're gonna flesh this out more here in a few minutes, but it really changes our motivations. It gives us securities, comforts. It helps us immensely as we think about having this new boss. Second thought as we consider these verses this means that we work heartily for the Lord when our boss can't see us. I remember an instance uh, working in landscaping as a teen, and uh, we, we were hauling these rocks down and behind this house. It was not fun work. And uh, anyways, we're hauling it. I'm just working, and the boss took off. He had to go do something else. And the guy's like, okay, you can slow down. The boss is gone. Anybody be in a, have been in a situation like that before? Like the, the cat's gone. The mice play, that kind of mentality, right? But when we have a new master, one who sees us all the time, but doesn't just see the outside, but he sees down to the heart in our work. It's a little more convicting, isn't it? It should shape the way we think about our work. But there's another aspect here. It means that in everything we do, we are actually working for him. Yeah, you have an earthly boss, but we're working for him. So just, just name for a second a couple of things you do at work. Somebody just tell me. What do you do at work? What's a task you do? Spreadsheets. Spreadsheets. Okay, what else? Lesson planning. Lesson planning. Email. <laughs> yes, our favorite email. What else? Presentation. Presentation. Give me more. I know you do more than that. Meet with clients outside of your work. All right. Meet <laughs> with clients. What else? Zoom calls, clean, phone calls, the list goes on. Okay, now think about that. All of those things you do, who are you working for? You're working for him, for the king. Like, it can be so easy for us to get nearsighted and think, oh, I'm doing the job again. My boss has asked me to do that one thing I don't like to do. Like, no, we have truth here that's telling us something greater. You're working for the king who, who loved you enough to die for you. 
Okay, so we have this new boss. And there's, there's a lot more that really be teased out. If you will, this point is kind of like the fountainhead of all that's coming next in this passage or in our study. Okay. Not only do we have a new boss, but we have a new assignment. Now, kind of on the same note of what we talked about earlier, but a little different. Have you ever been given an assignment at work that you did not like to do? And what was it? I want to know. Spreadsheets. <laughs> awesome, spreadsheets. Anybody else in favor with that? Like, yeah, okay, we do not like spreadsheets. All right, what else? What other tasks have you been given at work? Answer the phone. I do not want to talk to customers. Good. What else? What's that? Dude, brother, you and me. That is my thing right there. I do not like expense reports at all. Uh, good. There are things that we're given at work that, that really just rub us wrong, don't we? Okay, but here's what's convicting. When I think about my heart in those moments, when I've been given an assignment that I don't like, it is the most revealing to me what my real heart is saying about how I work and think. Like when I've been given something I don't like to do, something that doesn't bring joy to me naturally, it honestly is revealing my heart and what I'm focusing on in my work. I'm focusing on the the approval of men. Well, when I'm doing my expense report, no one cares. Well, maybe the finance person cares, but no one outside. Like there are things that are not as treasurable or enjoyable, but they really reveal our heart. That's why it's so vital for you and I to be thinking about what is our new assignment? Like, what is it that we've been given? Now we have a new boss. Oh, we've been given a new assignment, a new responsibility. So look with me at 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Who would read this verse for us? 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Go for it. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Don't you love that verse? I mean, there's like a love-hate relationship with it. It's all consuming. It's not like some of the time, like, when you like your work, glorify God. Or when you're having a good day, glorify God. Or in just certain time, like just on Sunday, glorify God. Like it'd be great if it's a little more like limited. But this is an all-encompassing expectation of our life to glorify God in our work. It brings us back to the purpose of work. I mentioned the first week, the purpose of work is the advancement of human flourishing to, any, any guesses on what's next? To the glory of God. Like that is your assignment day in and day out. We know we have assignments that are given in different regards. Take out the trash, clean the toilet, take care of the spreadsheet, take care of the expense report. Like these jobs that maybe are not pleasant to us on the surface, dealing with angry customers, anybody there? Okay, those things are not the things that get us up in the morning, but all of those things now have a new assignment given to them. And those things now we can glorify God. We can honor him as we do those mundane or difficult struggles that we have. So this then changes really the motivation for why we work. It changes even our effort in our work because it's all-encompassing. It has an impact not just on what's produced by you, but now on how you did it in your heart. And, and your attitude through the whole process and how you sought to glorify God in that small little thing. Maybe it's even just pouring someone a cup of coffee, whatever it is. That is something you're doing now to bring glory to him. This is why that verse kind of stinks. <laughs> so our work is not just about completing a task anymore. It's not just about checking off a box, thinking in terms of, okay, I produced the product that my boss wanted, I'm done. No, this is driving deeper much, much deeper. 
It's drawing to our hearts. And it leads us, we'll talk about again in a few moments, really to the quality of our work then, in our attitude, in the product we produce, and the way we interact with that person, all of that because we have this new assignment, because we have a new boss. Here's number three. We have new rewards. Now, imagine with me for a second, having all the money you would ever need or want. Who, what number would you put, put for that? If you had all the money you ever needed or want, what number would you put in your bank account? Don't be bashful. I know you're thinking about it right now. <laughs> Tell me what you think. What's that? The kids are I, I mean, that's right. The kids, the kids know the real numbers, don't they? All right, one bajillion, or I was thinking 100 billion. I'm like, why not? 100 billion, that sounds really great. Okay, just imagine this scene for a second. You have all the money you need in the bank, everything you need. And then you get up tomorrow morning, you go to work. And right now you're thinking, why am I working? <laughs> because you've been created to work, to glorify God. But your heart is no longer tied to, will the boss give me a bonus because I'm working to please him? My heart is no longer assigned to, oh, well, I need to make sure this customer's happy with me so that I get that product sold so I can get my commission. Do you see how it kind of takes out the heartstrings connected to that and frees us to work in a different way? Now, again, we're all like, why, why am I working? But when we think about this reward, it drastically changes our perspective of the day in and day out. We're no longer tethered to the things that other people are tethered to because we know our ultimate reward. Sorry, right, who can read Colossians 3.24? Colossians 3.24. Yeah, go for it. Thanks, Evan. Knowing that from the Lord, you will receive the inheritance as your reward. Just think about that for a second. From the Lord, you will receive your inheritance as your reward. What is he talking about? What kind of reward is he speaking of? Eternal life. Life. And sometimes, God, I think it's true in my life so often, sometimes I think about that, I'm like, oh yeah, eternal life. But it's eternal life. I mean, I think of Ephesians chapter 2, verse 7. I love how he talks about the immeasurable riches of his grace. I mean, that's riches for eternity. So you've been given a new boss, which means now you have new assignment to glorify him. And now he's like, well, here's a, here's a reward that goes far beyond anything your boss can offer you. Eternal life. Eternal life. So this means then that our hearts begin to change as we think about our work. Now, we certainly have a responsibility to provide financially. I'm not telling you don't care about earning money, okay? There is a responsibility to care for your family. There is a privilege and joy of serving one another and people in need. There is a, a privilege and responsibility to help care for your church like, all these things are present, right? We know these things. We, we are thankful for the blessing of a paycheck. We're thankful for the blessing of a raise, of a bonus. Those are good. But our hearts are not ultimately tied to that. Because we know our ultimate reward is eternal. It's far beyond that. This means then that our full satisfaction and joy and our security are there in Christ rather than in, did I mess up that phone call and lose a chance to sell the product? Did I fail in this responsibility? Now my boss is mad at me. Like, oh no, our reward is set, secure in Christ. So as we think about these three things, we have a new boss. We have a new assignment because of that to glorify him. We have new rewards that are far grander than anything you'll ever get on this earth. 
there is a, a byproduct that happens. We have new freedoms that come. I'm just going to kind of bullet point through these. But I want you to think this morning about the implications of what it means that Jesus' work now changes your work. I mean, there's, again, there's so many things we could talk about this morning. But here's number one. We have freedom to trust. Do any of you have worries at work? Did any of you leave work on Friday and come through the weekend and you're holding on to a worry or two about what will come tomorrow morning? Like we have a tendency to face worries and struggles in the workplace for all kinds of reasons. But remember, we have a new boss, a boss who has secured everything we need. He's offered us the greatest reward we could ever hope for. So maybe your worry is tied to something financial at work and you're thinking, all right, this is hard for me. I don't know what's going to happen. Am I going to lose my job or not because I stood up for Christ or I did this or that? You have an eternal reward. He has secured everything. Our new boss is sovereign over everything that happens in your life, even, even if your worst nightmare came true at work. If that happened, your greatest worry came true, which often they don't, do they? But if it did... Christ is sovereign over that, and he works good even through that. I mean, that's, that gives us comfort, helps us to trust him. I've just been thinking about this for a while. Our new boss knows that we are not perfect, and he knows that we will make mistakes. I mean, how comforting is that? I remember a scene so well. I was working construction, and I was cleaning the brushes, painting. I accidentally got paint on the, on the truck seat. My boss was livid. Don't mess with the truck. All right, there's moments where you just make an honest mistake. Like, I just didn't know. I got paint on that. It's not coming off now. But here's the hope. Jesus already knows you're not perfect. He knows you will make mistakes at work. And he still loves you. He still loves you. And he cares for you. I mean, that gives us great comfort as we go to work. We think, all right, my earthly boss, he might really be like, Oh, no, this is not good. He's upset. I messed up. Jesus, he loves you. He loves you still. We have a freedom to trust. We have a freedom to have joy. Now, listen to these words. This is from Ecclesiastes. Maybe this is how you think about work. Sometimes we feel this way. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? What's the point? Anyone feel that way sometimes? What is the point? I just go to work to buy food for us to do things in our house and then go back to work again. Like it's just this constant repetition. Maybe we cry out vanity as we think about our work, but here's the thing. If we're thinking just in earthly terms, if we just think about that next task is all I have to do, we will fall into that pit of despair. But if we see that we have a new assignment to glorify God, we know now that little task has got eternal significance. No longer just a temporal fleeting futility that comes, but now we have this eternal significance attached to what we're doing. So have joy. Like you can have joy when you're given the job to take care of the spreadsheets. Like why are you happy? Well, I can glorify God in this. This is great. And this has got eternal significance. No longer is it just mundane and just that thing that has to be done. Now it has much greater weight. We have freedom to have joy. We have freedom to serve. Sometimes we see a person who's only willing to do serving when they know they're gonna get recognition. Okay, at your office maybe, 
That person's like eager to do it because they know they'll get praise from the boss. But what about a person who serves with no strings attached? What about a person who serves in the background when no one else can see? What about a person who serves and does a thing that no one is wanting to do? They're drawing straws for it. Like that's the person we can be because our satisfaction, our security, our identity, our reward is all found in Christ. It's secure. That means we don't have to jockey for position. We don't have to seek to try to build some kind of identity at work. We don't have to look for man's praise for our work. Instead, we know we have the praise from the one who is our king. So that means we are free now to serve openly and greatly at work in a way that people are like, why, why would you do that? That's keeping you from this call over here where you can make money. Because I'm not attached to those obligations. Because I'm seeking to serve the king. We have freedom to excel. Earthly motivations really only go so far when you think about um, the rewards, a bonus for working hard, or even the fear of being fired, right? Those two things are at play always in our work life. But we have something that cuts right through all of that. We have something that moves us in a different way. Here's a quote from Traeger and Gilbert in their book, uh, The Gospel at Work. I love how they say this. If you are doing your work for Jesus, you are free from the unsatisfying allure of the carrot and the painful whack of the stick. You love that? Let me read it one more time. The unsatisfying allure of the carrot and the painful whack of the stick. Those are those two extremes that motivate us at work. But here's Jesus giving us a greater motivation, a motivation that goes far beyond all of that, a motivation that leads us not to the mediocre, just checking off the box, a motivation that leads us away from the fear of being fired, so we do just enough to not be fired. No, we're called to something greater. We're called to an excellence in our work because of Christ. Here's this last one. We have freedom to rest. Do you ever rest in your work? Do you ever really just like disconnect and and leave your work behind? Or is there this feeling in your heart of, I need to measure up to what my boss is expecting of me? Or this thought of, I am indispensable. They can't make it without me. This quote has just been great. The graveyards, one man said, are full of indispensable men. The graveyard, okay? We're all gonna die one day, and we might think we're indispensable, and they can't survive without us. The truth is they can. They will, just like they have time and time again. Do we think that sometimes we need to have significance and so we work harder than everybody else? We go, we go beyond what we should so we never rest? Jesus' work frees us from this faulty thinking and he frees us to a, a rest pattern and rhythm in our life. Yes, we work and we work hard for the glory of God. I mean, Paul, the Apostle Paul, was a great example of that. But then we rest well because we know that our security, our identity, our reward, our joy, our assignment, all of that is wrapped up in Christ rather than what our earthly bosses are saying. So here, here's this, this reminder to us this morning. Jesus' work changes everything, doesn't it? Jesus' work changes everything about us. Now we have just a few minutes. I did not expect I would be done at 10.58. I'm loving it. It means more time for discussion. Okay, so Jesus' work changes everything in our life. So as you reflect on all of these points, there's a lot of things. What are some things you need to remember for this week and why? What are some points you're thinking, okay, I need to remember this and here's why. I, I hope this week, as you go to work tomorrow morning, this is my prayer for you, you would reflect on what Jesus has accomplished for you, how that should change your work. Now, as I mentioned, there's so much more you could just tease out of each of these. 
So maybe spend some time this afternoon or tonight or even tomorrow morning before you go into work. Think, all right, Lord, how does your work change my work? How do I redirect and think about who my boss is? How do I rethink about, um, how do I rethink about my assignment? What am I doing? The reward I'm going to get. And then reflect on those freedoms you have in Christ. And then by God's grace, like our hope and prayer is that God would use you to be a light in a dark place because your approach to work, your motivation, your attitude at work is so vastly different than those who don't have Jesus as their king. Okay, let's pray to the end. Father, we're so grateful uh, for this time. We're thankful, Lord, for the reminders this morning. We want to have you as king in our life, Lord. And sometimes we, we just forget. We think so much about our earthly bosses. We think so much about um, what's right in front of us that we forget to think about that you're our king. Lord, would you redirect our hearts? Would you redirect that worship back to you rightly, Lord? And may that be true in how we think about our assignments we carry out day in and day out. Lord, help us all to not look at those tasks as just a means to an end, but instead of have an eternal perspective on those, knowing that we can glorify God in that statement and those, and those things we have to do in that task. Father, would we honor you in that? Lord, would you help us to have our eyes on the greater reward, certainly being faithful to what you've called us to provide, to provide and care for those among us, but then, Lord, help us to remember that our heart doesn't have to be attached to those things. We have this eternal reward waiting for us. Lord, give these people a freedom this week that would really be a bright light in a dark place. Would you help them, Father, not to be given into those worries, but Lord, to trust you, to rest in you, Father, to have joy and really just to, to have comfort in the fact that you're, you're loving them even though they make mistakes. Lord, you love them and you care for them even though they'll fail. Lord, please just encourage them this week. Lord, help them. Help us all to glorify your name. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, next week we're talking about, if you've seen your notes, uh, Dave's going to come back, a new goal. So we're looking toward a restored motive for why we work. So we'll look forward to that study.